Sixteenth Lesson The Power of Persevering Prayer And he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that it behooves us always to pray and not faint. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, who cry day and night unto him, though he bears long regarding them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Luke 18, 1, 6-8 Of all the mysteries in the prayer world, the need for persevering prayer is one of the greatest. That the Lord, who is so loving and longing to bless, should have to be asked time after time, sometimes year after year, before the answer comes, we cannot easily understand. It is also one of the greatest practical difficulties in the exercise of believing prayer. When, after persevering petitions, our prayer remains unanswered, it is often easy for our slothful flesh, with the appearance of pious submission, to think that we must cease praying, because God may have His secret reason for withholding His answer to our request. It is by faith alone that the difficulty is overcome. When our faith has taken its stand upon God's Word and the name of Jesus, and when it has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek God's will and honor alone in its prayer, we need not be discouraged by delay. We know from Scripture that the power of believing prayer is simply irresistible. Real faith can never be disappointed. We know how faith, like water, can exercise the irresistible power it has and be gathered up and accumulated until the stream can rush in full force. Likewise, there must often be a heaping up of prayer until God sees that the measure is full and the answer comes. Just as the plowman has to take ten thousand steps to sow ten thousand seeds, each one a part of the preparation for the final harvest, so there is a need for repeated persevering prayer to work out some desired blessing. Not a single believing prayer can fail in its effect in heaven, but has influence and is treasured up to work out an answer in due time to him who perseveres to the end. The answer does not depend on human thoughts or possibilities, but on the word of the living God. Therefore, even as Abraham, who believed to wait against all hope, Romans 4.18, and by faith and patience inherited the promises, Hebrews 6.12, we see that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation and hastening the coming of the Lord to fulfill His promise. When the answer to our prayer does not come at once, we must try to understand the two words of our Lord to combine quiet patience and joyful confidence in our persevering prayer. He set forth the character and conduct, not of the unjust judge, but of our God and Father, towards those whom He allows to cry day and night to Him. He is patient with us, 2 Peter 3, 9. He will avenge them speedily, Luke 18, 8. He will avenge them speedily, the Master says. The blessing is all prepared. He is not only willing, but also most anxious to give them what they ask. Everlasting love burns with a longing desire to reveal itself fully to its beloved and to satisfy their needs. God will not delay one moment longer than is absolutely necessary. He will do all in His power to hasten and speed the answer. If this is true, 
and His power is infinite, why does it often take so long for the answer to prayer to come? And why must God's own elect often cry day and night in the midst of suffering and conflict? He is patient with us. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and latter rain. James 5 7. The husbandman does indeed long for his harvest, but knows that it must have its full time of sunshine and rain, and thus he has long patience. A child often wants to pick the half ripe fruit. The husbandman knows to wait until the proper time. Man, in his spiritual nature, too, is under the law of gradual growth that reigns in all created life. Only in the path of development can he reach his divine destiny. Only the Father, in whose hands are the times and seasons, knows the moment when the soul or the church is ripened to that fullness of faith when it can take and keep the blessing. As a father who longs to have his only child home from school, but waits patiently until the time of training is completed, so it is with God and His children. He is the long-suffering one who answers speedily. The insight into this truth leads the believer to cultivate the corresponding dispositions, patience and faith, waiting and hastening, the secret of his perseverance. By faith in the promise of God, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of Him. Faith takes and holds the answer in the promise as an unseen spiritual possession, rejoices in it, and praises God for it. But there is a difference between the faith that holds the Word and knows it has the answer, and the clearer, fuller, riper faith that obtains the promise as a present experience. It is in persevering, not unbelieving, but confident and praising prayer that the soul grows up into full union with the Lord, where that faith can enter upon the possession of the blessing in Him. There may be things that have to be put right through our prayer with those around us, in the society of which we are part, or in God's government, before the answer can fully come. The faith that has believed according to the command that it has received can allow God to take His time. We know it has prevailed and must prevail. In quiet, persistent, and determined perseverance, we continue in prayer and thanksgiving until the blessing comes. In this way, we see, combined, what at first sight appeared so contradictory. The faith that rejoices in the answer of the unseen God as a present possession, with the patience that cries day and night until it is revealed. The speedily of God's long suffering is met by the triumphant but patient faith of his waiting child. Our great danger in this school of delayed answer is the temptation to think that it may not be God's will to give us what we ask. If our prayer is according to God's word and under the leading of the Spirit, let us not surrender to these fears. Let's learn to give God time. God needs time with us. If we only give him time in daily fellowship to exercise the full influence of his presence on us, and time, day by day, in the course of our waiting for faith to prove its reality and fill our whole being, He Himself will lead us from faith to vision. We shall see the glory of God. Let no delay shake our faith. Of faith it holds true that first comes the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear.
Each believing prayer brings us a step nearer the final victory. Each believing prayer helps to ripen the fruit and bring us nearer to it. It fills up the measure of prayer and faith known to God alone. It conquers the hindrances in the unseen world. It hastens the end. Child of God, give the Father time. He is long-suffering for you. He wants the blessing to be rich and full and sure. Give Him time while you cry day and night. Only remember the word, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. The blessing of such persevering prayer is unspeakable. There is nothing as heart-searching as the prayer of faith. It teaches you to discover and confess and give up everything that hinders the coming of the blessing, everything that may not be in accordance with the Father's will. It leads to closer fellowship with Him, who alone can teach us to pray, a more entire surrender to draw near with no covering but the blood and the Spirit. It calls for a closer and simpler abiding in Christ alone. Christian, give God time. As David said, He will perfect that which concerns me. Psalm 138, 8. Long-suffering and speedily. These are God's watchwords as you enter the gates of prayer. Let them be yours, too. Let it be whether you pray for yourself or for others. All labor, bodily or mental, needs time and effort. We must give up ourselves to it. Nature discovers her secrets and yields her treasures only to diligent and thoughtful labor. However little we can understand it, in the spiritual husbandry it is the same. The seed we sow in the soil of heaven, the efforts we put forth, and the influence we seek to exert in the world above need our whole being. We must give ourselves to prayer. But let us hold fast the great confidence that in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. And let us learn the lesson as we pray for the church of Christ. She is indeed like the poor widow in the absence of her Lord, apparently at the mercy of her adversary, and helpless to obtain redress. When we pray for his church, or any portion of it, let's ask him to visit her with the mighty workings of his Spirit and prepare her. For his coming. Let us pray in the assured faith that prayer does help. Praying always and not fainting will bring the answer. Only give God time. And then keep crying day and night. Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night unto him though he bears long regarding them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Luke 18, 6-8. O Lord my God, teach me to know your way and in faith to comprehend what your beloved Son has taught. He will avenge them speedily. Let your tender love and the delight you have in hearing and blessing your children lead me implicitly to accept your promise that we receive what we believe, that we have the petitions we ask, and that the answer will be seen in due time. Lord, we understand the seasons in nature, and wait with patience for the fruit we long for. Oh, fill us with the assurance that not one moment longer than is needed will you delay, and faith will hasten the answer. Blessed Master, you have said that it is a sign of God's elect that they cry day and night. Oh, teach us to understand this. 
You know how speedily we grow faint and weary. It is as if the divine majesty is so much beyond the need or the reach of continued supplication that it does not become us to be too insistent. O Lord, teach me how real the labor of prayer is. I know how I have failed in an undertaking, but I can often succeed by renewed and more continuing effort by giving more time and thought. Show me how I shall obtain what I ask by giving myself more entirely to prayer. And above all, O my blessed teacher, author, and perfecter of faith, by your grace let my whole life be one of faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, in whom my prayer gains acceptance, in whom I have the assurance of the answer, and in whom the answer will be mine. Lord Jesus, in this faith I will pray always and not faint. Amen. Note The need of persevering, insistent prayer appears to some to be at variance with the faith which knows that it has received what it asks. Mark 11.24. One of the mysteries of the divine life is the harmony between the gradual and the sudden, and between immediate, full possession and slow, imperfect appropriation. Persevering prayer appears to be the school in which the soul is strengthened for the boldness of faith. And with the diversity of operations of the Spirit, there may be some in whom faith takes more the form of persistent waiting, while to others triumphant thanksgiving appears to be the only proper expression of the assurance of having been heard. In a very remarkable way, the need of persevering prayer and the gradual rising into greater ease in obtaining an answer is illustrated in the life of Blumhardt. Complaints had been lodged against him for neglecting his work as a minister of the gospel and devoting himself to the healing of the sick, especially in regard to his unauthorized healing of the sick belonging to other congregations. In his defense, he wrote, I simply ventured to do what becomes one who has the charge of souls and to pray according to the command of the Lord in James 1, 6-7. In no way did I trust to my own power or imagine that I had any gift that others had not. But this is true. I set myself to the work as a minister of the gospel who has a right to pray, but I speedily discovered that the gates of heaven were not fully opened to me. Often I was inclined to retire in despair, but the sight of the sick ones who could find help nowhere gave me no rest. I thought of the word of the Lord, Ask, and it shall be given you. Luke 11, 9. And further, I thought that if the church and her ministers had through unbelief, sloth, and disobedience lost what was needed for the overcoming of the power of Satan, it was for such times of leanness and famine that the Lord had spoken the parable of the friend at midnight and his three loaves. I felt that I was not worthy thus at midnight, in a time of great darkness, to appear before God as his friend, and ask for what a member of my congregation needed, and yet I could not leave him uncared for. So I kept knocking, as the parable directs, or, as some have said, with great presumption and tempting God. Be this as it may, I could not leave my guest unprovided for. At this time the parable of the widow became very precious to me. I saw that the church was the widow, and I was a minister of the church. I had the right to be her mouthpiece against the adversary, but for a long time the Lord would not. I asked nothing more than the three loaves, what I needed for my guest. At last the Lord listened to the insistent beggar and helped me. Was it wrong of me to pray like that? 
The two parables must surely be applicable somewhere, and where was the greater need to be conceived? And what was the fruit of my prayer? The friend who was at first unwilling did not say, Go now, I will give to your friend what he needs, I do not require you. But he gave it to me as his friend to give to my guest. And so I used the three loaves and had some to spare. But the supply was small, and new guests came because they saw I had a heart to help them, and I would take the trouble even at midnight to go to my friend. When I asked for them too, I got what was needed again, and there was some to spare. How could I help that the needy continually came to my house? Was I to harden myself and say, Why do you come to me? There are larger and better homes in the city. Go there. Their answer was, Dear sir, we cannot go there. We have been there, and they were very sorry to send us away so hungry, but they could not undertake to go and ask a friend for what we wanted. Do go and get us bread, for we suffer great pain. What could I do? They spoke the truth, and their suffering touched my heart. However much labor it cost me, I went each time again and got the three loaves. Often I got what I asked much quicker than the first time, and also much more abundantly. But all did not care for this bread, so some left my home hungry. In his first struggles with the evil spirits, it took him more than eighteen months of much prayer and labor before the final victory was gained. Afterwards he had such ease of access to the throne, and stood in such close communication with the unseen world, that often, when letters came asking for prayer for sick people, after just looking upward for a single moment, he could obtain the answer as to whether they would be healed. 